Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But there is a wonderful satisfaction in doing the right thing, doing the will of God, rather than doing the wrong thing and always looking around the corner because you're fearing judgment when you know you've done something wrong. But is doing God's will such a bad thing? To live our lives according to the will of God? There's a good question that we should ask ourselves all the time. Am I living in the will of God? Welcome to our study today. Peter gives us two references that are helpful in having the right attitude in our relationship with Jesus Christ and living in God's will. The first is we no longer should live in sin and we should answer every temptation and sinful impulse with the reply, no longer Secondly, we should carefully consider how we live out the time that God has appointed for us. We all will give an account to him as to how we have lived out the time he has given us. Let's join Pastor Rob as he examines these truths. Or maybe a hundred if you're doing really well. Compare that to eternity. There is no comparison. It's like it's almost as if those hundred years that you lived on the earth didn't even exist. I mean, if you were to put it on a graph somehow, which you really can't because you can't measure eternity, put your hundred years in a little little bar graph on the left side over here and then compare it with eternity, it vanishes very quickly. And so it behooves us to make the decision now to follow Jesus Christ, to give our hearts to him completely, unreservedly, give everything to him. He died for me. He died for you. There's no one who's claimed to do what he has done. And now he ever lives to make intercession for us. And he says, I will come back and receive you unto myself, just as I said. And Jesus has never lied to his people. He's never lied to us. All the prophecies in the past have been fulfilled very literally. And we have every reason to believe the things yet future to us are going to happen the same. I'm convinced of it. I don't even need to worry about it. And I pray that you are too. Let this mind be in you. And don't be discouraged when you go through things. Let the same mind, the idea is intent there in verse 1. Let the intent of it. In Philippians chapter 2, verse, beginning in verse 5, remember this. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But notice what he did. He made himself of no reputation. This is what we need to be doing too. Putting on no reputation taking the form of a bondservant. That's a slave. I'd rather be a slave to God than to be a slave of the devil. 
The devil is a cruel taskmaster, but God is the wonderful master. He cares about his people. He loves you, and he is not going to treat you harshly. He is a great God of life and love. God is love. But the enemy of your souls, he only wants to destroy you. And then he, he goes on, he says, taking the form of a bondservant, he, he did, and coming in the likeness of men. He, was, he, he forever existed with God the Father, but now he comes in the form of a man through the Virgin Mary. And being found in appearance as a man, notice what he did. Did he come down with a, with a great big gavel and just start smacking people with it and start, you know, and just start zapping people like the Sith in Star Wars? You're going to get it pulls out his trident and gives him the old wazoo, you know. No. He comes and he dies on the cross, obedient to death, and not only the death, but the death of a cross. And as it says there in verse 1, that he who has suffered in the flesh, this is not speaking of Jesus, although he did suffer in the flesh, but it's, it's comparing uh, Jesus with the way we should be. For he who has suffered in the flesh, like us, has ceased from sin. And that that doesn't mean that we're sinless, but we no longer have the pull of sin on you. The idea of sinless, or, or, um, excuse me, cease from sin, it literally means you no longer are stirred by its incitements, by its seductions. You have power now. Before, you didn't have any power. You just fell down and cried like a baby, saying, help. And you, were, you, you seem powerless, but now you have the Spirit of God in you, the very power of God on your side, giving you the strength, if, if you will, if you will. Have you ever noticed this even as a Christian? Have you ever been, uh, there may be a sin in your life in particular, it could be different for everybody, but before you were saved, you didn't even think of it, you just fell into it. Sort of like just waking up and putting your clothes on. You just fell into it, but now as a Christian, you've got a choice to make, and the battle's on, isn't it? The battle is on. And now the battle, it's a battle because there's a fight. There's a new nature in you that is resisting the old nature that you were born with, that we were all born with. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. It's not even a question of it might be a good idea. No, you must be born again. It has to happen. In order for you to be, to spend eternity with God, everybody wants to go to heaven, but they want to do it their way, and they want to live their life. They want to live like hell on earth and then expect that God will, will forgive them, even though they haven't professed Christ. You know, the, the old adage, they go up to St. Peter and say, well, you've got to let me in. I, I was at the bake sale. Um, I helped uh, Virginia Root across the street, and I didn't kick her cane out from underneath her. I've done all these things. I've given millions to the church. I helped the Notre Dame Cathedral. I spent three, you know, $35 million I donated to restore the, the, the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. And Jesus will say, that's okay. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you're coming to heaven. If you're born again and you give $35 million, that's praise the Lord. You can give it to us. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. Just kidding. It doesn't make any... But the, there's no longer these incitements, these seductions. They no longer have power over you. And again, this verse is not speaking of Jesus. It's speaking about the way we ought to be. That's why we ought to have this mind. We ought to arm ourselves with the same idea. In Second Corinthians, it said that, uh, that God the Father made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus was sinless. But with us, it's a whole different story. 
That's why we must be born again. And you know, it's unfortunate, but it seems I learn more by suffering than just taking God's word at face value. We somehow feel that we could sin and not get away with, or we could sin and get um, and not get caught, or that our choices will yield a better result than what the Bible tells us. How often have you told your kids or warned them about something only for them to just go headlong into it? You know, but eventually, even the most stubborn will learn if they go through enough pain. In Romans chapter six, it says, "For the wages of sin." Is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice the wages. It's something that you earn. As a result of your sin, you get something in return. There's a wage that you're given. You're given something, and it's a bill that you cannot pay. And boy, it's a bitter pill. It's a, it's, it's a bill that you can't pay, but it's also a bitter pill. It's a horrible thing. But that's what you get for sinning. You get death. That's the result of it. And it may be Physical death, like right now, but it's certainly a spiritual death. If you are left unrepentant and you continue in your way, ultimately one day, the Bible says there is a second death. And that's where you are dead forever in eternal torment. But I respond really well to pain. (laughs) I respond really well to pain and hardship. I learn because it hurts. You know, when you're a kid in Rochester... During the winter, and you're told not to put your tongue on the flagpole? And you do it anyway? You learn a good deal about what the gift of tongues is not. <laughs> I'm glad you laughed. I, th- I thought it was kind of funny. But the Bible says in Hebrews, though he, Jesus, was a son, and he is, he's the son of God, he is God in the flesh. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience. Isn't that crazy to think about? That Jesus allowed himself, his glory, to be veiled while he was on the earth. And he would go through untold uh, difficulty and untold grief and untold torture. But it says that he learned obedience. See, God can't learn anything. But Jesus, as he veiled that and came to earth to pay the price, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. He suffered. He was no... Stranger to difficulty. This word learned literally means to to learn by use and practice or to be in the habit of, to be accustomed to. And if there was anyone who was used to this, it was Jesus. He was rejected. He knew grief. His own brothers rejected him until after his resurrection. His own family thought he was losing his mind, that he was mad. His own countrymen rejected him. And even the religious leaders who should have been on his side pointing to him saying, this is the Messiah, this is the one that the Scripture has been telling us all about for hundreds of years. Look at him, here he is, let's worship him. Think of how different everything would have been had they done that. But no, his own countrymen, the religious leaders, thought he was possessed by the devil himself. Isaiah said that he's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And he was despised, and we did not esteem him. In verse 2, here in 1 Peter 4, he says that, that we, or that he, speaking of us, not Jesus, no longer should live We should no longer live the rest of our time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but rather for the will of God. Notice that our time, again, here on earth is short. And in the Psalms, in a Psalm of David in Psalm 39, it says, Lord, make me to know my end. Make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days? 
that I may know how frail I am. Do you know how frail you are? Isn't it amazing how frail life is? And yet sometimes, especially when we're young and we're, we're, we're lifting weights and we're in shape and we're eating all the right foods and we're taking that powdered stuff that we put in the milk and stir it up and, you know, and we're getting all pumped and everything, you feel like a million bucks. You feel like you're invulnerable. or You feel like you're, um, nothing can harm you, nothing can hurt you. And yet your life can be taken just like that. He says, indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths. Just about that much, just really short. <laughs> and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but a vapor. Just a vapor. Poof, it's gone. That's what we are. I don't know about you, but that's it's pretty sobering. In fact, this whole epistle has been very sobering. And the reason is, is because this letter, remember, was written by Peter to a group of people, this first century Jewish church that was being persecuted. They were on the run. They were living underground at places, and and sometimes not necessarily underground, but off the radar. They they, they had to stay kind of clear of the Romans who wanted to kill them. Caesar Nero was the Caesar in power at this time, and this man was ruthless. He was a killer. He was a pervert. This guy was such a whacked individual. He makes a great politician. <laughs> Sorry if there's any politicians here. I don't mean to disrespect you, but, but he was a wicked man. Not only a pedophile, but a pervert. A homosexual. Allowed himself to be worshipped. So many twisted things this man was. And yet, what, what does it say in the, in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 90? Moses would say, so teach us to number our days, Lord, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days, to know what our days are, to know that our life is precious. It is, it is but a vapor, and Jesus purchased it by his own blood, and we are to be good stewards of that life that he has given to us. How are you taking care of yourself? I mean, not only physically, you know, that's something that we can do. We can go to a gym. We can take care of ourselves physically. Are you eating well? Are you eating better? I'm starting to do that because of the thing that's been going on and with me, I'm starting to change my ways. The writing's on the wall, you know. It's like I can, I can continue eating and living the way I was or I can get in shape and I can start eating better. And I started to make some changes and I'm hoping to make some more. The Lord's knocking on the door saying, Rob, your body, you've you got to be a good steward of this life I've given you. And isn't my great joy because the, the more I'm around, the more I get to do what I'm doing here. What a great joy, what a great privilege for all of us to do whatever it is that God has for us to do, right? What does it say in James? It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go and do such and go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will shall live and do this or that. I try to make it a habit now to say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this. Because I really can't make any boasts of what I'm going to do tomorrow. Yeah, we'll go to this place next week. If the Lord wills, I'll see you there. (laughs) But there is a wonderful satisfaction in doing the right thing. Doing the will of God, rather than doing the wrong thing, and always looking around the corner, because you're fearing judgment when you know you've done something wrong. But is doing God's will such a bad thing, to live our lives according to the will of God? In Philippians it says, work out your own salvation 
with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and then to do of his good pleasure. Notice that. Work out what he has already worked in. You've heard this many times. But what God has already done in you, the seed of it, the germ of it is already in you. The Spirit of God is in you. All you have to do is allow him to work it out. Nothing from the outside is going to make you any better, but what God has done inside is going to radiate out. Like a germ in, in, in the ground, when you plant that seed and the water hits it and it starts to decay and it starts to open up and whatever, and then the, the, the blade of grass comes up, like your tulips right now that your deer are eating in your yard. The little ear comes up and the little flower comes up, and before long that little bambi will come up and eat it in the middle of the night. <laughs> but that's what it's like. The seed of God in you, the very Spirit of God working. You just let him work it out. And, it, and it's his job to, to cause you first to will. Notice the order of that. To will and then to do of his good pleasure. Because we don't want to live the rest of our time, as it says there in verse 2, in the will of our flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God, for the will of God. That's why it's important that we be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Are you reading the word every day? Read the word every day because it's the, it's the one thing that I enjoy more now than ever I ever have. Just to read the word and allow it to take root in my heart, to soak in it. And I'm finding just by reading and reading and reading, just read as much as you can. Even if you don't think you're getting anything out of it, believe me, there's a lot happening that you might not be aware of. Stuff is getting in. Stuff is getting in. You just continue to read it. You pray over it. You read it. And then more importantly, take a little thing of it, just a piece of it that you've read, and put it in action today. Put it in action at the workplace and watch what God does with that little bit of truth that you put feet on and all of a sudden you prove it and then you, it becomes yours. And then maybe next week, maybe the next day, you'd look at something else and say, you know, I'm going to try with everything my might to, to really focus on this. I, be, I don't want to be a gossip and a busybody. Lord, help me not to be that way. You have plenty of opportunities wherever you go to not be a gossip and a busybody. We all do. But Jesus, he lived for the will of the Father. He didn't spend his life in the lusts of men. He surrendered his will. He always lived to do those things that pleased his Father. In Matthew chapter 4, if you would, go there with me. And we're going to see here that Satan was uh, tempted Jesus on three different levels. He tempted him with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And you've heard this before, but the pride of life. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It says Jesus was led, and this is very early in his ministry after the baptism of John. It says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the Judean hills there, excuse me, to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. And then the tempter came to him and he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. You're the Son of God. You spoke everything into existence, right? In the beginning was, you know, um, in the beginning... You know, the Lord created the earth and everything in it. He just spoke a word. Everything happened, right? He spoke it into existence. The, the devil saying to Jesus, why don't you just do that? You're hungry. How about a foot-long sub? An Italian assorted with the special sauce on it. Just do it. You could do it, Lord. He tempts him by the lust of the flesh. Now look down in verse 5. It says, Then the devil took him up into the holy city, Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, which is the south east corner of the temple, which is the, the tallest peak of the temple mount. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, or literally, since you are the Son of God, 
Throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And the devil must have thought he was really something, quoting the Psalms here. <laughs> and, and then again, you know, this is the pride of life. And each time Jesus quotes a passage out of Deuteronomy, but notice that the Satan here tempts him in the pride of life. And finally in verse 8, The devil took him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Notice, and he said to him, All these things I will give you. Wait a minute. I thought God created the earth. We already talked about that, didn't we, back in Genesis. Notice Jesus didn't say, Ah, not so quick. Have you read uh, Psalm, uh, was it 19? Have you read that? That heavens are the, uh, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Have, have, you, have you read that? What version do you have? The message? Because, you know, if you have the, the King James, you know, do you know what, the, what it says there? No, Satan says, he takes him up there. All these things I will give to you, Jesus, if you will fall down and worship me. And you think of the lust of the eyes. All the kingdoms of the world. You, you can bypass the cross. You don't even need to go to the cross. Just bow down right now and worship me, and this can all go away. You won't have to suffer the cross. You won't have to be separated from the Father. This whole business of the Lord uh, you know, turning his back on you doesn't have to happen. Easy peasy. Give you a way out. This will be really simple. And Jesus said to him, Away with you. It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. But even Jesus didn't allow himself to live his own will. He submitted his will. And this is why the mind that should be in us, we should be submitting our lives to him. What greater joy, what greater blessing is it for each of us to discover what the will of God is for your life? I remember when I first got saved, I was so nervous about the will of God. I didn't want to miss what he had for me. I loved him so much because of the great gift that he gave me and the the sin, the weight that it was taken off my shoulders. I'm like, Lord, whatever you do, whatever you want to do in my life, I'll do it. I want to do it, Lord. And I was so afraid. I was going to miss it. Listen. If you're afraid of missing the will of God, that's a good thing. But trust me, if that is your heart, it is his job. And I can say that not in a disrespectful way to him, but it is his job to get you there. And I can tell you that he will, and he does, and he can very easily. Even your own choices that you make, the mistakes that you make, he can bring things into your life and ultimately He can do these things, and you've seen it in your own life. Sometimes it seems like a labyrinth, and you make one choice here, you know it was a bad choice. You correct it, and you go this way. And next thing you know, you're in the center of God's will. And there's peace, there's joy. Not without difficulty, but there's a joy and there's a peace. You know you're doing the right thing. You know where you should be. Verse 3. So, back in 1 Peter 4, he says, For we have spent enough of our past time, a lifetime, in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness and the lust, the drunkenness, the revelries, the drinking parties, the abominable idolatries. That sounds like a good list. Does that sound like a fun list? It may have been when you were a teenager. It may have sounded very tantalizing. It may have sounded like, wow, I can be a grown-up. I can experience what my mom and dad went through when they were in college. Listen, (laughs) there was nothing glorious and glamorous about any of that. 
The devil promises everything, and he will bring you up empty every single time, and you'll find out for yourself. And I hope young people, especially teens, I pray that you don't have to go through the things that I went through, the things that your parents went through. You may think, well, I I can do it better, and I won't get burned. Well, let me tell you something. You're going to get burned if you play with that fire. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.